Well, welcome back to the When I Heard This Podcast. My name is Nate Robinsoff, and I'm here with Joseph Tillman. How are you, Joseph? Man, it's a new year, and I'm doing great. How was your three actual weeks off of no podcasts? Um, I missed doing the podcast, but holidays were fantastic. What'd you do? <laughs> had, a, had, a, had a lot of good time with the family. How about that? Sweet. I'll just say that. Yeah, me too. Yeah, it was really good. It was really nice, actually. Cool. So we are back in the new year, mm-hmm. and we are back to making fun of church. <laughs> no. Instead of talking about all of this God and Jesus and Bible and all of that stuff, we are back here talking about the church and why it is awful. No, that's not what we're doing, Nate. <laughs> but we are going to address some issues within the church, sure. Wherever you listen, please subscribe to whatever thing that you're watching slash listening on. And we have a Patreon. There's a $5 tier on there. And all money we get from there will go towards pushing this podcast out on social media. So, Joseph, why are people so judgy at church? (laughs) I don't know, Nate. Why do you think they're so judgy at church? Okay, so here's my perspective. So my perspective, basically, is that churches have different things that they tolerate or like sin-wise more than other churches. So say like, because I've been to a, I've been to churches where on New Year's Eve, they, the pastor literally started his sermon out with like, we all want to get drunk later, but let's get through this sermon first. You know, we can get started with communion when, when I'm done talking and literally said that and everyone laughed in in agreement like yeah why do we all still come here and <laughs> and uh so at that church the pastor basically told everyone he's getting wasted after mm-hmm. service and everybody go do that it's fine and at another church that wouldn't be very tolerated like i've also been to churches where the pastor said Hey, I've had one drop of alcohol my entire life, and it was an accident. <laughs> right. And I repented for three years, and it's fine now. And <laughs> if anybody ever drinks anything ever, then you might as well kill yourself because <laughs> Dear Lord. you're going to go to hell. Okay. So different ch- – that's not – I understand. That's not understand. <laughs> that wasn't actually part of the thing. <laughs> so – so – my perspective is that people judge people at churches for different stuff, and there's no consistent standard of judging. Mm-hmm. And so anytime you go anywhere, you never know what you're going to get, and you have to fall in line with the with the tolerated sins of a given church in order to even fit in there. And why is it like that, and why is everyone mean to people on top of all that right if you come there and do sins that the church doesn't like they judge you for those sins while being okay with the ones that they're okay with okay and so you never know what's going to happen when you go into a new church Mm -hmm. and it makes it hard so that's my only perspective on this (laughs) okay okay because part of that was when i grew up and discovered sins I liked doing better other than the ones that were were tolerated at my church, I was told, 
uh, we never taught you to do that. Mm-hmm. Like you've been in this church your whole life or whatever. I wasn't in the same church my whole right. life, but we picked churches that that were good with us. You know what I mean? Right. And so I was told I was never taught any of those things. And why would I even be doing them? And I'm getting judged for, because all sins equal according to God, right? That's yep. in the Bible. So I'm getting judged for something when you're not perfect either. And that's the perspective that I have now because okay. of the way the, all that happened. So that's my perspective on this topic. Okay. So what do you think of my perspective? <laughs> right. Am I right? All right. So all right. So I agree that there are sins that are deemed acceptable in some churches and not acceptable in others. Okay. Okay. So I, I, I agree with that statement. Okay. Okay. And I think some of this has to do with actions or attitudes that a church considers sin or not sin. Okay. I think that's part of it, too. Um, or it maybe they don't consider, like you're talking about, they won't take certain sins maybe as seriously as other sins. Um, and, I, and a lot of this is just kind of where the church is coming from in relation to its understanding and its handling of issues like sin. Like some churches don't even talk about sin at all. Like they just avoid the topic. And, and, I'm, and if you're not talking about, like, if you're not addressing sin at some level, I'm not really sure you're even functioning as a church. I mean, like you're as you're supposed to be. But another part, I, th- I think, is that you're right. Some churches just don't, like, some churches just won't even talk about sin. They don't deal with that issue at all. Others are really heavy-handed on it. But you're right. It's like they pick the ones they're heavy-handed on. Right. And, and so I know where you're coming from in that. Like, we tolerate gossip, but premarital sex, we're throwing the hammer down on. Mm. Right? Like, I think that's probably some things that's I mean, a common experience for some people. Yeah. And I think there's the other part of what, what you're saying that I do agree with is that there's some sin that's tolerated, some sin that's not tolerated. You know, you have certain churches, like I said, they kind of draw, like, they draw these, like, arbitrary lines in the sand. No big deal if you're, again, like, gossiping. But if you go steal something, that's definitely wrong, Mm. right? Um, So I do agree with you. So I agree with your perspective on the fact that the way that churches handle people's attitudes and actions that would be labeled as quote-unquote sinful seems to be arbitrary and seems to not it definitely is not consistent from church to church right uh, so i i i agree with that perspective but when i i guess when i think about it all right so this is a huge topic right i mean this topic is huge okay <laughs> so i mean there's so much that goes into this and like you said before like if all sin is considered sin, right? Like, in other Mm -hmm. words, sin is sin, okay? And by sin, we mean the things that we think, that we do, that we say, that are not aligning itself with the will of God, okay? Mm -hmm. I think we first have to acknowledge that all of us have sinned, right? Okay, so all of us have done something wrong Mm -hmm. in what we've done or said or, you know, thought that we would no, okay, this doesn't, this is, this is not like the action, the thought, what was said was not like Jesus. Right. Okay. So it didn't meet that standard, if you were, of Jesus. Therefore, we've done something that's wrong, that's fallen below that standard. 
so we've all acknowledged that. And then I think from there, the question is, well, in our acknowledging of it, is there like this repentance that's following? And so in other words, am I repenting of it or, or not? I guess what I'm kind of getting to here is like when we, when we initially when we initially repent of our sin, when we begin to follow Jesus, Jesus is actually asking us to be transformed into his image and into his likeness. Right. Okay. So like when I become a Christian, I'm not just I'm not just becoming a Christian because I am he- adhering to a set of doctrinal beliefs. Right. It's more than just that I'm in agreement with these beliefs, right? Mm-hmm. It's also that I understand that now I'm being asked to be transformed into the likeness of Jesus. And this doesn't happen overnight. It's not like this immediate perfection thing. But we do enter a process by which the Holy Spirit, through His voice, through Scripture, through the Holy Spirit speaking through others, begins to make known to us not only appropriate actions, but appropriate attitudes of our heart as well. And so that's like a, a process that we go through from the time that we say yes to following Jesus to the time we die. Mm. Okay. And so, and it's not only convicting us of what is wrong, but it's directing us toward what is right. Okay. So, you know, so, and again, by right, I mean the attitudes, the actions or the character of Jesus. Mm. Okay. I think there's this reality that we have to take sin seriously, repent for it, and ask the Holy Spirit to help us live lives that honor the Lord. But I do agree that this is confusing. I say all this because I think it's confusing in churches because this is an, there's not a consistency in it okay. all the time, mm-hmm. right? Because, um, again, if you're in some places and they don't ever address the attitudes of your heart, they don't ever address actions that are labeled as or are considered sinful by scripture if we don't ever address these things it's kind of like all right we're glad you're here go be the best you right or glad you're here we're going through a religious experience today moving on Mm. and there's no there's no confrontation if you want to put it that way with the fact that with with our own sin with with the own our own sin actions then i think we're those churches are missing the mark not in the sense that we need to be sitting up there every Sunday saying, repent or you're going to hell. Okay, I'm not saying that. Right. But I am saying that there has to be this continual call of we need to be transformed into the likeness of Jesus. What in our lives need to be examined that are falling short of the likeness and character of Jesus? And so, therefore, we need to ask the Holy Spirit in light of that. All right, so Holy Spirit, how do we, in light of this, Holy Spirit, can you transform us? Can you us? Can we cooperate with your grace to allow us to going from you know having a temper to not having a temper, for example, right? Mm-hmm. From just acting out in anger to finding gentleness and kindness. And so, I think that what you're getting to though does again cause confusion. Of well, in one church, I was told this was okay, and in another church. They don't seem to like it too much. Mm. So what do I do? And I guess I would, at the end of all that, I would say, well, what does is, what is Scripture say? You know, like, ultimately, we have to go back to so go, well, what, is, what does Scripture tell us? And I think that's, <laughs> that can be difficult because we don't always know what Scripture says. Mm. And I think that's part of the problem in all of this is we're, we're not being taught Scripture enough or we don't read Scripture enough for ourselves to know what actually is in here. So we just make assumptions based on what we've heard, but I think we need to find out what does Scripture actually say, because I feel like it's pretty clear, actually. So the church is supposed to tell us, hey, we need to repent 
for these things because they are sins in the Bible and in Christianity. Mm -hmm. But then people take that a step further in order to make you feel crap (laughs) Okay, for the sins that you are committing. Okay. So do you agree with that? I agree that it can't happen, yes. Okay. So that that's kind of what we're talking about, right? Right. Okay. So have you seen judgment happen in the church and okay. what did it look like and I get you. And for what? And tell me about that. To be honest with you, I think judgment that we receive in the church is probably similar to the judgment that we all experience at some level in some ways, just in our interactions with people in society. Mm. Whether we're the one judging someone or we're the one being judged, I think judgment is happening. And I think judgment is happening according to stereotypes, according to expectations people set. Mm. And I think that's all across society. I don't think this is just a church issue. Mm. I think this is a societal issue. Okay. And so, and just in the same way that we were talking about how, like, well, these things in this one church, they're not considered sin, but over here they are. I think we see that in broader society as well. Mm. Well, that's considered wrong. Don't do that. You know, this part of society says this, but then these other voices in society say, no, it's fine. Right. And so I don't think this is just a church issue, but locating it to the church. So like, for example, stereotypes, right? So if someone walks into a church and they're covered in tattoos and piercings and that kind of stuff, in some churches, they that person is immediately judged, right? Like, mm-hmm. oh, they must not really love Jesus that if they've if they've done that to their body. And so an immediate judgment has been made on that person without knowing anything about them. Mm. And it's like those it's like people become skeptical of you because of the way you look or whatever it may be. And I think that's one of the areas where judgment goes very awry in church. It's just based on like those types of stereotypes. Because the reality is that person who has tattoos and piercings may radically love Jesus. And the fact that they have tattoos and piercings have no bearing on that or not, you know? They have no bearing on if they actually love Jesus. So I think there's stereotypes. Then there's, like, expectations. You brought up the, the, the alcohol one earlier. So, like, if you follow Jesus, there's an expectation in some churches. If you follow Jesus, you're not going to drink alcohol. Mm. Like, just not drink it at all. In other churches, they're going to say, well— the expectation is if you follow Jesus, you will not get drunk. And then in other churches, they're going to say the expectation is who cares? If you want to get drunk, right. I'll get drunk. So I think it's kind of according to these expectations. But let's say that you are in a church and they're saying the expectation is you'll never drink, right? Or that you're never going to drink alcohol or that, um, <laughs> or like apparently you're never going to have a bad day and lose your temper or say a cuss word or whatever. And Therefore, we're going to judge you pretty harshly if we know that you are drinking alcohol or you, you're you having, you know, you blow up on your kid or whatever. And then a judgment, it happens pretty quickly without understanding any type of context with that person mm. of what's going on. And I think those are probably some of the things that happen in a church that where judgment goes really awry, where just based on stereotypes and expectations, we make assumptions and those assumptions are not always grounded in relationship. Mm. And I think that's where the issue really lies. If I don't know you, you don't know me, it's going to be really hard for me to speak into your life 
and you to speak into mine because we don't really know what's the context of what's going on in our lives, mm. right? But I also think, <laughs> but I also, and in saying all that, I also think there's a place in the midst of being in church relationship with people where if someone is living in sin, so like let's say someone is, like they're continually being a gossip, right? They're continually gossiping. So what is the difference between sinning and living in sin? When do you cross that line? Okay, so I think by living in sin, what I'm going to phrase that as, it's habitual. Okay. And like in other words, you just see it. It's it's common for that person. Mm. Okay. So they're they're kind of like habitually living in a state of gossiping, or they're habitually living in a state of looking at pornography. Mm. You know, and I think that's. So when I say living in sin, that's what I mean. Like there's a habitual state of it. Okay. And so when I see a when when there's someone that's like in a habitual state of something, like again, continuing to gossip or having an addiction to pornography, we do need to speak to that person about it. But it's not like speak to the person about it in the sense of like again, repent or you're going to hell. It's I mean, <laughs> it's more like repent and I'm going to walk with you through this. In other words, I will. I, I want to, like, if I'm coming up with someone there and, I, like, so they're in the church relationship mind with me and I am aware that they're having issues with gossiping, then when I hear them do that, I need to call them on it because I want to help them look more like Jesus in the same way that I want them to call me on things if they see habitual patterns in my own life. Mm. Okay, so it's not like a one-way street. It's two-way. Go both ways. And or if there has someone's having an addiction to pornography, well, I want to help get them the help they need if they genuinely want it to get to overcome that addiction. Mm -hmm. Okay. And so again, it's not like I'm just gonna throw a stone and just that's it. It's I'm calling yes, I'm calling you out on it, but I'm also saying, what can I do to help you overcome this in cooperation with the Holy Spirit? Why do you why do you keep using gossip as an example? Do you hear a lot of different gossips as a pastor. I think the church has a problem with gossip. <laughs> yeah, okay. I do. I do. And and because it's just and, and I don't think it's a church. I think people. Yeah, like and go- gossip that that could come come around to feeling judgment from the entire church, church body. Sure, it could because we all agree this is bad. That's why we're gossiping about it, right? And then now I feel like I'm on the outside. Yeah, exactly. Okay, exactly, and yeah, and it's uh, it's one. Of, I guess I use gossip too because it's not often talked about. Okay, like in other words, it's not one of those like big quote unquote sins, right? It's not like like again, like I was mentioning pornography earlier. Like all of us would immediately go, "You need to repent of that." Mm. Or how many times have we been um, in a church service? And the altar call was, come repent for sexual addictions. Mm. Okay? Pretty, I mean, <laughs> en- enough. But how many times have you ever been in a church service where there, the altar call was, come repent of being a gossip? Mm. It doesn't happen quite as often. And Did you hear about Becky? She's been gossiping. <laughs> right. And so, and I, and I think that that's, I think, so I'm using gossip because it's one of those ones that's not, it's not labeled as a really bad, egregious sin. But gossip can destroy people. You know, I mean, the, if, we, if we really believe that we have the power of life and death in our tongue, mm-hmm. if James is correct when he says that, then, and he is, by the way, because it's, it's, the, it's, it's in inspired. It's in the, yes, in the Bible. In the, yeah. And so, but if the power of life and death are in our tongue, then gossip has the power 
to to tear down people, mm. you know. And I think that it's easy in our society, our culture, to gossip. We we gossip, we talk, you're right. And so I just feel like that's one of those things that happens very easily that doesn't mm. get addressed much. When you hear the phrase hey, I don't want to come to church because people are too judgy. Mm -hmm. What immediately comes to your mind? Like about the person saying it and about the church? I I want to, the first thing that comes to mind is what do you mean by judgy? Okay. Why or like, why do you, like, what do you mean when you say the church is, you know, I don't want to come to church because the church is judgy. But what do you mean by judgy, one? And then two, how have you experienced that? What do you think they mean usually? I think they usually mean the church is quick to judge me, either one, based on the way I look, okay. or two, based on uh, a lifestyle I'm living. Whether that lifestyle is sin according to the Bible or not sin according to the Bible? Yeah, and I think for a lot of people, it's, I don't want to go there because I don't want to be told that I'm doing something wrong. Whether that, whether they are or not, whether they are or not, yeah. Okay, so do you think it's usually that they are doing something wrong, or that they are not doing something wrong? I think it can go both ways. I, in other words, let me say this: I think sometimes it's le- it's it's legitimate. Hmm. I don't want to go to church because I have seen the way the church or church leadership or both have treated people. Maybe even that individual. Right. And that's why I ask, like, in what way have you been judged? Like, how have you been judged? Because I want to hear, like, is this theory or, like, you just assume that it's that way? Right. Or is this, did you experience it? And by experience it, like, what do you mean when you experienced it? Right. So, like, so, for example, you have a young girl. She gets pregnant out of wedlock. And mm-hmm. now she feels judged. By the church, okay? So my question is, does she just feel that way? Or is it like, has someone said something to her? Mm. Okay. Did someone like look at her a certain way? Like what What made her feel judged? Okay. And was it, and, and I guess I, I use that example because people are going to make mistakes. Okay. Right. So let's say someone gets pregnant outside of wedlock and immediately... After that action of, let's say they had, they had sex one time, got pregnant. I'm using this as an example of someone yeah. I know, okay? They had sex one time, got pregnant, and felt completely ashamed. And when they went to church, it only affirmed their sense of shame. Because people who used to come up and, hey, how you doing? You know, talk with them, now just didn't talk with that person. Almost like they got shunned by their by their kind of peer group, okay? And that's how they felt judged, well, that the way that their peer group or others in that church handled that it was completely wrong. Like, no, we don't want just we don't just shun people. We we want to come come up alongside them. What's going on? How are you? You know, like, are we? I mean, I hope we're vested enough into people in their lives that we want to know what's going on with them. Because I wouldn't want to kick out a young girl who got you know pregnant outside of wedlock. I I, I would want to you know I would want to kick her out from the church. I would want to know what's going on in her life. Right mm. now, if she's pregnant outside of wedlock, there's no sense of remorse in the sense of well, I'm going to keep 
you know, I'm 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 going to continue to live with my boyfriend. We're going to keep having sex outside of marriage, right? Like that's a whole different story that I want to get involved in in that area. But I'm still just not going to throw them out immediately. Does that make sense? Mm. Or shun them? Like, no, let's let's talk what's going on here, okay? But if you have someone and the reason they feel judged is because of that kind of same situation. But their, their thing is, well, I'm engaging in premarital sex, but I'm being told that that's wrong. Therefore, I feel judged because of that. You're not being judged wrongly for that. In other words, if you're being told that having sex outside of marriage is wrong, biblically, that's a, like, they're right in telling you that. Mm-hmm. But if that makes you, quote unquote, feel judged... That's not on the people. That's on you. Does that make sense? Right. And I'm not saying that in like this harsh way. Okay. But I'm saying it in a reality way. Like if someone's coming up to you and they're like, hey, I just want you to like, maybe you didn't know, but like there is a sexual ethic that the Bible upholds. Mm. And I'd like to share that with you and talk to you about it and, you know, willing to answer questions and that kind of thing. Okay. But at the end of the day, if they're like, well, I don't really care what the Bible says. I want to do what I want to do. So what you're saying, there's a way for the church to approach something that is actually wrong according to the Bible without being judgmental about it. Yes. Themselves. Yes. Like, let the Bible do the judging on the person. Yes, because, like, it's objective truth for me. Yeah. You know, like, when I'm talking about a biblical sexual ethic, that's not something I'm just coming up with, right? Like, that's let the Bible speak for it. Now... I've been in a counseling session with a couple who were living together, not married. And when I when I explained all of this to them, shared it with all of them, they were like, well, that's all fine and dandy, but we don't we don't care what the Bible says. Well, now we gotta talk about our next steps here. Because are you gonna continue coming to this church or not? And that may sound really harsh, but if they're gonna if they're gonna live in unrepentant sin, then we need to have a conversation of whether they can maintain in fellowship with our church. Really? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and that sounds I know that sounds like really well, harsh. Uh, well, see, that's where... <laughs> that's where, from my perspective, it's like... So it's okay to... it's Okay. okay. So it's okay for, for the church to ask people not to come? Yes. According to living in sin? Yes. Living in unrepentant sin, yes. Why? Because the Bible lays out a precedent for it. Okay. So in 1 Corinthians chapter 5, Paul's addressing a pastoral issue that's going on in the church. And so there is, it's, a, it's a similar situation to what we were just talking about earlier with two individuals that are having sexual relationships but are not married. Okay. Okay. That's why you're using this example. And they're staying in the church. Wow, you really set me up here. I really did. <laughs> <laughs> You're welcome. And uh and so and Paul actually rebukes the church, the Corinthian church for allowing them to stay in fellowship. Okay. With the church body because they've not repented. So here here's what I'm getting to. So these are people that are affirming that they are Christians. The Corinthians are affirming well, that the people living in sin are Christians, but the the, people... the, the the individuals living in sin are saying we are. They're saying we are we are Christians. We're part of this fellowship okay. of believers. And what Paul's saying is, you cannot remain a part of this fellowship if you remain 
in unrepentant sin. And so Paul is, and, and Paul's pretty clear on it. He's not telling, he's not, and this is where I think where things get mixed up a little bit. I'll say, I've got a non-believer coming in to the church, right? I need a spreadsheet. <laughs> I need a spreadsheet. I All need right. a, a pie chart or, <laughs> or a, a, what's the, the bubbles and the lines? And yeah. No, it's not art. We got two categories, Nate. Two categories. That's it. That's no, there's it. like eight different sets of two categories at this point. No, it's just two categories. <laughs> It's two categories, okay? <laughs> we were talking about removing people from the church. So we've got right. we we've got judgy way to tell people <laughs> that they suck, a non-judgy way to tell people that they suck, and then we've got the objective standard that people get wrong because apparently tattoos are okay and and <laughs> tattoos are fine and. <laughs> And premarital sex isn't right, even though the Bible rebukes both of them in different parts of the thing. And okay, then all, right, we, all right, hold on. Let me hold on. No, you're not gonna get away with that. That easy. <laughs> hold on. No. So tattoos are mentioned in the Old Testament, right? Yes. Under ceremonial law. Yeah. Right. We no longer uphold ceremonial law. So tattoos are fine. Tattoos are fine. So now we got a group of Christians that think tattoos are fine, and then a group of Christians <laughs> that don't think tattoos are fine. That's true. And then there's living in sin versus not living in sin. Okay. Well, and okay, then let's... there's whether I'm living in sin and know that it's wrong and then living in sin and <laughs> that's true and being you know cool about it or whatever right right or trying to excuse it away excuse yeah. it away and sure. and and tell you I'm cool and then we've got people who just sin and don't feel bad about it and then right. people that sin and do feel bad about it <laughs> yes okay so we need a pie chart. <laughs> and and which am I which is a is a churchgoer allowed to tell me I'm doing wrong, judgy according to objective standard truth in Bible, like in which I'm not so uh, anyway, we need a pie chart. <laughs> All right. <laughs> But you explained that pretty well, actually. Okay. I mean, breaking that down. All right. So this is this is actually not that complicated. <laughs> it <Okay>. sounds complicated. <laughs> but, well, it may sound complicated, but it's it's not complicated in the sense of all right. I want to say very clearly. Okay. If you got someone that's that's coming and they're a part of the fellowship, okay. Yeah. In other words, they're coming to church. This is according to. Paul. Okay. No, this is just Joseph talking for real quick. Okay. Joseph talking real quick. If there's someone and they're coming. And they're part of they're coming to church on on Sunday mornings, let's mm. say, right? They're not a believer in Jesus. Okay? Okay. But they're coming, they want to find out about it, they want to know what's going on. Or maybe, hey, they've had a hard time and they feel like going to church is like a good thing to do. Okay. Okay. Covered in tattoos. Covered in tattoos, not covered in tattoos, I don't care. Okay. Right. But they're there. My role is not judging them. Okay. Because they don't know. Like, there's, there's, like, they don't, they're, how am I supposed to ask someone to live according to the character and the likeness of Jesus? So now we have Christians and non Christians. Right. In a different thing. They have to be completely separated in categories. Yeah. Yeah. Because the, the non Christian, I cannot ask them to hold to the character of Jesus if they're not even following Jesus. 
So, so, so what I'm talking about here, okay, <laughs> is what we're talking about, like, you know, we're talking about speaking truth to people and even getting to the point of asking them to leave. We're talking about people who are in the church, say, yes, we're following Jesus. You bring to their attention objective truth, right, in love about their actions, okay, of sin. Christian. Christian. Feels bad. Okay, if a Christian feels bad. Christian, this is what you're saying. No. Christian. <laughs> a Christian who is being, who, all right, like, just like that couple I was talking about earlier. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So they're sitting with me. Yep. Okay? And they're the ones that initiated the whole meeting anyway. Oh, okay. Okay? So they wanted to talk to me. Because they want to tell you what's up. Yeah. Okay. What they were wanting was me to affirm their relationship status. So they were poking at you to be judgmental. They were hoping <laughs> I would affirm them because they had not been affirmed in other churches. Oh. So, but when I would not affirm Why their do decision, they need someone to affirm them? I think because they wanted to be fully, quote-unquote, kind of accepted as part of that church, of our church, right? In other words, for them to be members of our church, they would have had to have absolutely stopped, you know, living together, having sex, Right. What is an official member of a church and a not official member of a church? Man, that's a whole other topic, bro. Okay, we can get let's, to it let's later. not go down the bunny right. right. trail too far. Um, so this, so this couple though, they're they're basically wanting me to affirm their lifestyle. Mm. I can't do that. Right. Okay. Not only can I not affirm their lifestyle, but now I have to talk to them about remaining in fellowship with our body because they're they're, they're because there's no remorse, right, for their lifestyle. There's no desire to change. I guess my question is, why would God want Paul to tell the church to kick people out for sinning when the church is where sinners need to go? So you're right in the sense of that is where people who do not know Jesus need to come. Okay. Once we start following Jesus. You bring the hammer down. (laughs) No. Put all their living in sins in a list and tell them they're all wrong. Yeah, no, that's <laughs> okay. not what we're doing. Like, I'm fully, so I'm fully cool with allowing the Holy Spirit to convict people of sins at his timing, okay? I'm fully, in other words, here's what I'm saying. Like, that's what I said earlier. Like, when you start following Jesus, you don't just become perfect overnight, okay? Like, there's a process of maturing in Christ. Of, okay. And when I say maturing in right. Christ, all I mean is being transformed into his likeness, Okay. So there's a process that the Holy Spirit takes us through to be transformed into the likeness of Jesus. The Holy Spirit speaks to us, the Scriptures speak to us, and the Holy Spirit uses people to speak to us. If they're living a life of sin and know it's sin and want to try to make the Bible and God and you okay with it, that's when you yeah, that's that's when you kick them out? That's what I'm getting to. Okay. Yes. And that's because, the situation that's happening here in, in First okay. Corinthians. Okay. So can I read this? Yeah. All right. Let me read this from what Paul says. Paul says, I wrote to you in a letter not to associate with sexually immoral people. I did not mean the immoral people of, the, of this world or the greedy and swindlers or idolaters. Otherwise, you'd have to leave the world. But actually, I wrote you to not associate with anyone who claims to be a brother or sister and is sexually immoral or greedy, an idolater or verbally abusive, a drunkard or a swindler. So do you see the difference there? What Paul's saying is, yeah. okay, so he's saying, I did not mean 
the unbeliever. I meant the ones who are saying and claiming to be brothers and sisters in Christ, but yet they're living in this unrepented lifestyle. And then that, you know, then I understand. I can already hear people saying, well, but we're told not to judge. People will make that comment. What, okay? and, that the church is told not to judge? Right. Yeah. Like, all right, well, yeah, but no one's supposed to judge anybody. That's kind of like right. this common... Because God is supposed to yeah, do right. Let God judge. We don't really know the hearts of people. Like, we don't need to get in that involved in that process. Right. Okay. But that's not actually what Scripture says. Okay. Okay. So what people generally pull from is in Matthew chapter 7, where Jesus used the, used the story of the plank in the eye. Right? Mm-hmm. And he says, basically, do not judge lest you be judged. Right. Because I was just going to say, like, if you could pull everyone at church... Mm-hmm. And they're living in some type of sin all the time. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Everybody. Everybody is, because we all are, because we're, again, we're not fully mature. We're not fully perfect, right? right? And so we have to be very aware of the planks in our own eye. Okay. Okay. But it's not, that passage there in Matthew 7 is not saying that the church doesn't have a responsibility to speak truth to its own brothers and sisters. Okay. okay? And again, so much of what I'm getting to is, it's one thing if you talk to someone about something, they're like, man, I had no idea, right? Like, mm-hmm. I'm a new believer, or maybe I've been in church for 40 years, but no one ever told me that this was wrong. Okay. So I had no idea. They, you know, and so now they've got to work through that, mm-hmm. okay? That's very different. You just let them stay there and keep sinning for 40 <laughs> years, though, Joseph. Hey, I didn't. <laughs> <laughs> um, and you have people who do know better. There is... You know, there is a plank in in their eye as well that needs to be addressed. In other words, there there is sin in their life that needs to be addressed. It's very different if their response is, I don't care. I don't care what you say. Versus I know this is wrong and it's really hard to yeah, deal with. Like, yeah, and like, or you got someone that's struggling to overcome pornography. Like, I'm not kicking that person out if they're genuinely trying. Mm-hmm. Right, like I want to, I want to help them experience freedom from that. You know, I, like so, it's not like this. You know, you just snap your fingers and they're out of the church. That's not the way this has happened. So, but Paul says, Paul says this. He finishes his thought with saying this: For what business is it of mine to judge outsiders or unbelievers? Okay, don't you judge those who are inside? God judges outsiders or the unbelievers. But then he says this, you need to remove the evil person from among you. What Paul's saying here is, hey, listen, these individuals that are unrepentant, they need to be asked, break from fellowship with you until they repent. Okay. Okay. So what we see in 2 Corinthians is Paul is writing to them, to the church, and saying, listen, the, the couple that I talked to you about, They've repented now. Like they experienced the, sh- the the shame, if you were, of being asked to remove. They've repented now. You need to welcome them back into the fellowship. Okay, so it kind of comes full circle. Okay, all right. And so Paul's saying that removing them wasn't forever. They've repented. Bring them back in. And again, that may sound harsh that you're asking them to be removed at all because you brought the idea of well, why sinners? But my whole I, my whole thing is, you're right. Individuals that don't know Jesus, when they come to church, they don't need to be judged for the way they look, the way they act. I can't expect them 
to follow the character of Jesus if they don't even know Jesus. They're not even following him. Non-believers. Non-believers. Okay. But for the ones that are in the church that do know Jesus, when we're confronted with sin, whether it's through the Holy Spirit convicting us, whether it's through Scripture. I mean, for me, it was this way when I first came to know Christ. Like, I'm reading through passages of Scripture going, oh, my God, I'm a hot mess, right? I didn't know any better. Mm-hmm. You don't grow up in church, you don't know. So I'm reading this going, a minute, I got to... I need to get get some things straight here. And then, so Scripture can reveal it to us. Or sometimes the Lord in His grace will use someone else to speak to us. Um, And that may sound like, well, you you know, we just kind of need to leave people alone. And I think kind of in our independent kind of private culture— like it's, it feels very, it feels like I'm very much being intruded upon when if someone wants to come to me and confront me with sin, with an action that I was doing, mm-hmm. right? That, that would seem like what in the world? But I mean, again, hopefully this is happening in the context of relationship because I've been with these people; they know me. So it feels loving, correct? When someone comes and tells me I suck. <laughs> yeah. Okay. I mean, I've had people come to me and say, Joseph, you're being, you're really selfish. Well, yeah, everyone knew that. <laughs> you know, all gossiping about it. <laughs> and and so, and, and it hurt. Mm. It sucks. To, like, no one wants to be told they're selfish. But then when they were kind of saying, this is why I'm saying that to you. Mm. And, they, and they make it, you're right. And I'm not saying I said, you're right <laughs> in <Yeah>. that moment. Okay. <laughs> but... It wasn't like they just came, kind of did a, a drive-by guilting mm-hmm. or a drive-by judging and then walked off, um, right? Like Spray-painted selfish <laughs> on your car. Right. And and I hate, now I will say, I do hate it when that happens in the church. Like these, like, I call them drive-by guiltings, but these, like, you just walk by someone and just throw a phrase at them. Or, right. And, and I think like, that's definitely what I, that's like the cartoony version of this. Yeah. Yeah. Right. And it happens. Yeah. And it does happen. And, and that's the crappy part. Yeah. Right. That's the part that I don't like at all. And hey, here's like, a here's a verse. <laughs> Read this later. Right. Yeah. Right. I'm praying for you. Right. I'm praying for you. Right. Because uh-huh. it's obvious. Yeah. You're you're in sin. Right. And so, going back to Paul. Okay. Mm-hmm. So in chapter six of Galatians, beginning in verse one, Paul says this, brothers and sisters. If someone is overtaken in any wrongdoing, you who are spiritual, restore such a person with a gentle spirit, watching out for yourself so that you also won't be tempted. Carry one another's burdens. In this way, you will fulfill the law of Christ. It's that very much that idea of I'm going to you know, bear with someone and walk with someone through this. And I love the way he's saying, come to them with this gentle spirit and, but also watching out for yourself because, you know, you can be tempted as well. In other words, examine the planks in your own eye. Be mindful that if you're talking to someone about being selfish or about being prideful, guess what? You can, you can become the same way. So that's like the judgment manual for church. (laughs) Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I mean, like there's ways to, there's ways to do this. And there's ways to approach people. There's ways to speak to people. There, I mean, like, and so I understand, like, the whole topic of being judgy comes from this place of, like, well, kind of like what you're talking about, like, the, like these little snippet comments or mm. um, or it can come from, like, this overbearingness from the, from the pulpit, whatever it may be. But, like, the Bible pretty clearly talks to the church about how they're supposed to handle one another. Okay. 
in, you know, from the passage we read in 1 Corinthians 5 to the passage in Galatians. And there's another passage in, in Matthew 18 that deals with the, the exact same subject. And so, and this is actually Jesus speaking. Okay. So if we were like, well, what does Jesus have to say about it? This is what Jesus says about it. Mm-hmm. Okay. He says, if your brother sins against you, go and rebuke him in private. If he listens to you, you've won your brother. But if he won't listen to you, take one or two others with you, so that by the testimony of two or three witnesses, every fact may be established. If he doesn't pay attention to them, tell the church. If he doesn't pay attention even to the church, let him be like a Gentile and a tax collector to you. And then what that means is actually let him be like one who's outside of the church. And so I think there's a there's a, a, a pattern, a way of approaching people and confronting people in their sin that's very biblical, but that's very loving. And then there's the crappy part that where it's not following a biblical pattern. And it's just this, again, like what you're talking about, or the, you got the drive-by shamings and guiltings and or the feeling judged because people shun me now because they know that um, I got this girl pregnant or whatever, right? And instead of coming up around you and find out what's going on with you and how are you and how are you processing this and what's going on with you and your in your relationship with the person, with God, everything else. And so, uh, again, so much of this, to me, stems out of relationship. Okay. Like, I have relationships. Like, so I have a group of people that I meet with on a regular basis, and we actually sit there, and, and it's about to sound crazy, but we actually sit there and confess our sins to one another. And then we have permission to speak into one another's lives about things we see in their life. So it's like a, just a judgment circle. Right. The circle of judgment. The circle of judgment. Okay. But that we embrace. Right. Because we want to look more like Jesus. Right. Like we all have blind spots. We all have attitudes or actions that we just don't see that mm-hmm. others are it's clear as day to other people. But it's a blind spot for us for whatever reason, no matter how self-aware I think I am. Mm. And I think maybe that's one of the problems. I think we're th- we believe we're more self-aware than we actually are. Does that help explain where I'm coming from in this? That helps. Is it satisfactory? Uh, not yet. <laughs> but I think we're close. Okay. okay. <laughs> All right. Well, this has been the When I Heard This Podcast. You can find the podcast on Spotify, SoundCloud, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, YouTube, and Rumble. We have a Patreon. You can go there and type in When I Heard This Podcast, and there's a $5 tier. All money that we get from there will be used to push the podcast out on social media. You can follow updates on the podcast at Facebook and Instagram at When I Heard This Podcast. Um, Wherever you watch or listen to the podcast, make sure to like and subscribe and click all the buttons and and, uh, just do buttons. You can follow me on Facebook and Instagram at Nate Robinson, and you can follow Joseph on Instagram at... Rev Joe T. This has been the When I Heard This Podcast, and we will see you guys next time. Bye.